and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Corwin Kroll. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 450. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Woo! Uh, but we, we brought Corwin on. Why did we bring Corwin on, Mark? Because it was time. <laughs> So I could so I could rip into him about Godzilla versus Kong. No, so because we're talking the Green Lantern 2021 annual, which is all about Jessica Cruz, but all about the Sinestro Corps essentially, and uh, and the nature of fear. That's funny because I almost said that, but I said, and we stop. Damn it, <laughs> I'm gonna miss. Uh, Corwin, we've been reading some of your feedback on the air, as you know. So how far how far are you into the current run, and what have you been thinking, you know, about where we're at thus far I, before we got into this issue? I am I am all caught up, and I gotta say, it feels good to be excited to, you know, read the issues every month. For a while, it just kind of fell into a low to where I just started letting them stack up uh, before this new run began. But you know, as I said in my feedback i was a little little worried um the writer i can't even remember his name now uh thorn thorn J- jeffrey just kind of really went to places that we're just so used to and it felt like he was you know retreading and then the arts and i shared the same kind of worries that you guys had but uh, i think now that he's kind of getting into his stride I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better about the run i just I want them eventually to get their their rings back and get things back kind of the way it was. I hope we're not going to go sixty issues with this. <laughs> no, I think I think we're in terms of the central power batteries deconstruction or destruction or whatever you want to call it at this point. I think from solicits issue eight is supposed to be when we're supposed to be done with the mis- the the power battery destruction mystery. Now, does that mean? All the rings will be back online and all that. I I don't know, but in terms of answering, I guess the big question that's supposed to happen, I think by eight. And as everybody, uh, you know, just sh- listening should know, we were recording this the day these issues came out. Uh, the annual was delayed and came out today, the seventh. But also, Green Lantern six came out today, so we got two more issues until we get some some more concrete answers. I haven't read six yet. I don't know about you guys. Oh, I read it. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'm behind the curve. I, I was just focused on what we're talking about tonight. Uh, whatever. <laughs> good good uh, news. No Teen Lantern at all. <laughs> uh, she'll show up in Suicide Squad. Uh, oh, she'll show up in the next issue. I'm sure. But the but it's 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 all Joe with attitude and no te- and no Teen Lantern. 
So I guess she inherits the attitude for this. No, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad, by the way, uh, I was reading through the solicits. Uh, it continues into issue 10. It's not just Suicide Squad 9, where they go they go to Ola to try and break in the vault. I was reading the solicits the other day, and issue 10 is they have successfully infiltrated the vault, albeit with some casualties or you know something has happened. And they're trying to escape Oa, and they're running from both Lanterns and Thanagarians. So at the very least, the whole Suicide Squad on Oa thing is actually a two-issue thing and i i bring it up not as a tangent mark mentioned kelly um that's because you know we're assuming that the gauntlet that we see on the cover of issue nine is kelly um so that's another place we can see kelly between now and issue eight i'll be waiting with bated breath (laughs) i mean at the very least she should be able to take out the likes of the suicide squad right (laughs) we we wouldn't have a problem with that oh speaking speaking (laughs) of which uh dan dan if you're if you are listening to this and no i didn't do this just for this reason but i did think of you when i did it today when i got when i picked up these two issues the unfortunately the original cover they gave me was that kelly cover wiping out elvis and estral core by herself i said i'll take whatever the other cover is <laughs> i cannot support that concept so give me the other cover which actually is is it's much better anyway and then i got the i got the variant cover of of the Jessica Cruz. Oh yeah, the variant cover for and, and uh, yeah, I guess this is a good segue to get right into it. The variant cover for the annual is fantastic. Doesn't really look like Jessica, but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the little par- you know the parallax symbol over her eye as opposed to uh, the Green Lantern symbol, which is so it's appropriate. But yeah, that's a. I mean, I did not dislike the original cover, but but when they showed me the variant cover, it's like yep, I'll. I'll I'll take that one. So it was a rare day where both of the original covers that got pulled from me, I pushed them both aside and got the others. And both are card stock, so you pay, had to pay a little more. Yeah, this was six ninety nine for the variant cover. Gotcha. I don't know. I don't know what the price was on the. Uh, but you're right. You're the uh, the other cover was I think card stock too. So the odds are I probably did end up paying paying more but business wise that's such a smart move but at the same time it's just like i wish they wouldn't do that at least for at least for cover a cover b if there was like a one in 25 or an, a, a variant c or whatever okay let's do card stock on all of those variants but now that dc is doing card stock on basically every cover b that's starting to get a little annoying but whatever not here to have that debate, I guess. Uh, so uh, talking about uh, the annual for, for this year, Mark, do you want to go ahead and lead us into this thing? I'm going to do my best, as, I, as we were talking about before we recorded. Pretty much all of us have just read this today since we're recording on a Tuesday. So this is literally the earliest we could uh, we could be recording and have read the issue. So I read this one time one time when I got home. So the, the exposure therapy is the actual title of this issue. Let's go through the creative team. Uh, Ryan Cady, writer, a bunch of artists, which I'm not really a fan of multiple artists in the same book, unless you can avoid it or unless their styles are similar and their styles are definitely not similar <laughs> in this book. Uh, Sammy Basri, uh, he did pages one, 20, one through 23 and 37 through 40. Tom Derenick did 24 through 36. Hi-Fi colorist, Rob Lee letterer. Bernard Chang and Alex Sinclair did the covers. David Nakayama, which is the cover we like uh, the most, is the variant. Uh, Big C Matthew is the assistant editor. And Mike Cotton 
is the editor. We pick, we begin on New Corridor with, uh, you know, three yellow rings are being detected and, you know, Sinestro doesn't seem really phased by this as he's being informed about, you know, the impending arrival of these rings. And we basically, and this picks up after the future state story with Jessica getting her ring from the safe house when she defeated Alyssa and, uh, Lowe and Ugg to, uh, basically, and then, and then took a Sinestro core ring. On her own. So basically, she brought the Sinestro, brought brought all these guys back to New Corridor with the battery and her ring. And supposedly her goal was just to go there and uh, deliver these low lives back to Sinestro and then get off this rock. And this leads to a whole confront or discussion more than a confrontation with Sinestro and Lissa Drac and Jessica continue their battle. And this time, Lissa Drac kind of gains the upper hand because she starts basically man- manipulating Jessica and playing games with fear. As like, can you feel that how quickly it twists back? The snake bites its own tail, which is a nice little analogy. Anyway, uh, while this is always going on that, you know, but that, that snake, as she's talking about it, the, the, con- the construct snake removes the Sinestro core ring from Jessica's finger. Jessica goes back into her street clothes. Sinestro at this point, Jessica's essentially borderline a guest borderline a prisoner but she's supposedly she can come and go as she pleases to a certain extent she's just resting sinestro didn't take anything from her pretty much except for the with the battery and the powering sinestro calls to jessica tells tells jessica to meet him and they basically have this discussion and and sinestro starts trying to explain you know you know about fear it's like uh there's a sinestro core ring because he puts it back in in front of her along with the battery you know, does it frighten you? And it's like, you should be frightened. And he says that I've been frightened of it pretty much ever since I got, you know, ever since I got it. And there's nothing wrong with a healthy respect for the power you were born to wield. Jessica's really not buying a shtick. And because Jessica points out, to, you know, that I really don't get off on scaring people. And this is an interesting part of the conversation because Sinestro points out that he doesn't really get off on doing that either. I don't quite buy that. I'm an altruist. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a nice touch. But I don't think most people buy that. But he but he tries to he tries to basically see the tries to instill in her that fear can work in different ways and that it can accomplish different things. It's not just about how you instill fear in other people. It's how you handle fear yourself. She Sinestro pretty much tells her that, hey, you know, at this point, you know, well, if you really don't want to join my core, it's like, that's fine. But the only way you're really going to get off this planet for now, the only transport I can offer you is pretty much the ring. So it's like, well, that so they Jessica accepts it short term, supposedly short term. I like I like Sinestro going. There's no point in being so willful. You're not a Green Lantern anymore. Jessica ends up going back to Sector 2814 because I guess there's an there's an issue with uh was it the moon? Something was going to crash into the moon or something like that. A ship ship. escaping from Oa. So Jessica 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 goes out there to to try to deal with it. And it's interesting as she points out, you know. That she was kind of, and she seems surprised by this. That the power ring doesn't really whisper dark fantasies or temptations or anything in, into her head until she get, until she gets basically to her own solar system, and then she starts thinking about Simon and all the other lanterns. Basically, what happened to them? They all must be terrified. And she speaks to the ring, and she goes, "Show me." And we have this nice double splash page, in which she basically f- talks about feeling everybody's fear, and how you know she feels it seeping through every heart in the galaxy. Of course, we have Dark Side there, which might also be related to uh, the Hell with the Justice League story. Chad? Oh, uh, Last Infinite Ride? Or, no. Or, yeah, Infinite Frontier or Last Ride? No, still not the right one. The one she was starring in. Oh, the, uh, Odyssey. Odyssey. 
It might be somewhat referring to that. And obviously it's probably also certainly inferring what's about to happen with dark side. But yeah, Odyssey was the one that she talks about, you know, it makes me feel ready. Fear is a beacon. So I look for the closest source. Then we find, then we find that ship that was fleeing, you know, the disaster of Oa and, you know, Sinestro is kind of like being like a dark, dark side Yoda here, kind of like talking to her this whole time, trying to tell her that, um, the fear can also be used as a motivation. It's like when they're not trying, when people don't want to do something, basically you show them what their worst fear is. It's like, if you don't do this, this is the worst thing that's going to happen also. So you motivate them to keep going forward. So Jessica ends up using her powering at some point to do this. She replaces the captain with the, with the first officer seemingly, you know, that seems like the right move. It turns out, of course, that it's not, you know, she's, she ignites the fear inside them just enough to keep them warm, not to burn them. At this point, she gets blasted, you know, she gets blasted from behind and, you know, she turns to face her attacker. And, hey, it turns out that it's Hal. So we actually get a Hal Jordan sighting. This is when the art in the book is actually pretty good during this during this section. Hal looks really good for most for most of the time. And some of the and Jessica looks really good in her in most of these next few pages between Hal and and Jessica. Of course, Hal and Jessica, now they realize that it's each other because at first they, you know, at first they just. They didn't think twice. And then they, oh, my God. And they start having this conversation. And Hal starts kind of being a dick to her to a certain extent. It's like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, I didn't expect to be, you know, stabbed in the back. All all this stuff. And Jessica explained what she was trying, you know, what, what her main what her main goal was in, in getting the ring and going back to New Corridor. And she points out, you know, hey, I, you know, I had no desire to hold on to this ring. But now, you know, I'm kind of looking at things differently because, She's starting to realize that there's some positives that can be used from the Sinestro core ring. Hal and Jessica continue to, you know, kind of be at each, at each other's throats here. Jessica realizes that um, she kind of made a mistake putting the first officer in charge. And basically the first officer and her people are holding a lot of people hostage on the ship. They're smuggling illegal uh, goods, just as goods. Yeah, I know, but it was, it was contraband. That's the word that I wanted, but thank you, Corwin. Uh, Contraband. You got a really cool splash page, uh, splash page with Jessica ripping back into the ship and an energy construct f- with her. Hal doesn't, you know, Hal doesn't really know what she's doing. Jessica says she's, you know, she's fixing her mistake. So Jessica pretty much solves this issue with, and Hal's there to as backup, also in case she does something she shouldn't do. But at the end of the day, Jessica pretty much solves this problem on her own. Hal and Jessica converse afterwards about. That, uh, she, you know, she doesn't he doesn't really know that uh, I give you a medal or chew you out. And he goes, well, I'm kind of leaning toward the former, the former. And Jessica, so Jessica and Hal just kind of leave off on, on a, you know, a relatively good note. And but Hal's obviously leery of anybody using a Sinestro core ring, which makes perfect sense. But how but Jessica also conveys to Hal the idea that at this stage of the game, but it's being so little green energy and, and ring bears that you pretty much don't want to waste all your willpower on a one-way trip to, to Oa. The, the rest of us will have to trust that Earth is in, you know, in capable hands. So, so she's, I don't know. She, so she's kind of giving Hal like a blank, like a, the pep talk to do, you know, do what, he, you know, that, ha, that Earth is going to be okay for now. And, you know, the ending, I mean, their little conversation, this part, it was kind of like a little, it was interesting to me overall. And at this point, Jessica's rings talks to her and she goes like, like, how far could that take me? Because her ring was at 15 percent. It's like three days space flight nearest habitable world, habitable world, Earth. And she's like, and if I had a different destination in mind. And of course, she ends up going back to, to New Corridor. Sinestro, of course, expected this. 
and Sinestro talks about, you know, some about, the, again, the benefits of fear that, you know, question my motives all your life, but you've already felt the simple truth behind them. Some madman cannot, cannot be reasoned with. Some tyrants cannot be toppled. Some monsters cannot be slain, but all souls know fear. Join me and we shall make the worst of them. Remember, Jessica basically agrees to join them for now, but she does not swear. She says she's not going to take the oath. And Sinestro is like, well, that's unsurprising, but it's not loyalty that will keep the universe in line. So Lissa Drac comes out now and basically uh, now everything's all kumbaya between the two of them. And because she has so much, Jessica has so much potential. You end with a nice splash page of Jessica, you know, powering up her battery with the one can, you know, one candle at a time, which was a the candle theme was something that was mentioned earlier in the issue. And I'll just read this last little part. Every dark corner of the universe, every heart beating with dread, every whisper in the shadows. Fear burns like a beacon and I burn right back like a candle. A reminder that frightening as it may seem, they're not alone in the dark. And that's that. I love the fact that she's like, I would never say your oath. That was a really good touch. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And the fact that uh, Sinestro was like, yeah, well, I I would expect nothing less. (laughs) Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I was just surprised it was a different writer. Once again, I was like, oh, I really thought this would have been the same writer of the series, but I'm not familiar with anything this guy's done before, though. Did he not do the feature state story? He could have. I don't know. That this was building off of? I can check in a second if you guys want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, I don't know. I don't know if I would have been as good, honestly, if Thorne had written this. It could have been, I suppose, but it doesn't seem like he had a a large interest in Jessica, so he could probably write Jessica, but obviously this guy seems to get Jessica pretty well. No, I really, I, I really, I really enjoy this, certainly compared to the regular issue of Green Lantern that I read also today, but I expected this issue was going to be more likable for me, appealed to me more because of the, uh, the Jessica. I like Jessica more anyway. Plus, this, plus it's, we like you know, the idea of, of, fear again the nature like you mentioned beginning uh, before i began the idea of the nature of fear that it isn't just it is and dan did too when we did the, the last issue of green lantern the idea that when you get the when you get the ring the yellow ring it's based on your in your ability to instill great fear in others but there's more to more than fear than just that it's, it's the ability to how you how you handle fear yourself, how you focus fear, and also that fear has a you can use fear in a positive way and for mo- motivation, motivation and to, to get to get people to do what they you know they might not do otherwise. You got it. He did write the Jessica story in the um in that in that miniseries. I thought I recognized this, a similar sort of theme. I think I think there was a a theme about the nature of fear in that one too that he's building on here. Um, I really like the art by Sammy Basari. Yes, his over, face is gives a little bit of work, but I agree. Yeah, I think the only thing, if I were to give it a critique outside of you know what, what Corwin just mentioned, is there's not a lot of backgrounds on his work. Um, we see, I think the, maybe the most intricate background we even get is that first panel of Nukorgar um, in the issue. Uh, maybe everything is supposed to be very barren and everything, but every time you see the panels, uh, the backgrounds are like, you know, there's a solid wall behind them or the angle is such that you're seeing the character, but also viewing the ground underneath your feet or the sky above their heads. There's not a whole lot 
background wise to play with. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense to anybody, but that's I, notoriously that's something I'm not really a big fan of. And it's not like this guy isn't capable of it because I think I a good one, a good use of the whole panel is that um, that panel where Jessica wakes up in that apartment and looks out the window and you can see her reflection in the window. You can see the ship you know, kind of floating over new Korrigar sort of reminding me actually of Batman, the animated series, the way the, the dirigibles sort of floated over Gotham. So he's definitely capable of it. It's just, it makes me wonder how much time there was for him actually to work on it. Or does he just not usually draw intricate backgrounds? Um, I think since they already even had other guest artists in here, I think it may have been more of a matter of time. Yeah. I think the probably the biggest point uh, that we'll, we can talk about is, you know, the nature of fear and Sinestro's portrayal and stuff. But before we even get into that, the the panel, the, the, the double page splash where Jessica lights up uh, and talks about, you know, the fear that she can that she's being shown here. Obviously, Mark pointed out um, uh, dark side. But did anybody recognize any of the other characters on this page? Uh-huh. I, I was going to ask you that because I recognize the dude from Justice League Dark, right? That's the. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to bring up, guys. Uh, this is the upside down man. Um, and I don't know that we've seen him a lot since the days of Justice League Dark. I, I, I think he was involved in maybe some of the Dark Knight's Metal stuff, but I'm not fully caught up on all of that. I'm sort of. I don't think I'm, he was. I don't remember him. Um, well, Dark Knight's metal or death metal. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm sort of prepping myself because I know I read metal, but what I retained is whatever. So before I read death metal, I'm going to sort of read all of that at a clip together. And I'm sort of working up the willpower to do that um, because I'm going to you have to be in a certain mindset to accept metal for what it is. Um, but anyways, uh, I recognized him and I know who he is, but I didn't want to get lost in trying to encapsulate him myself so guys i'm over on the dc.phantom.com website for those of you who do not know the upside down man is one of the other kind all powerful beings of horror and reflections of all dark and twisted possibilities of magic the upside down man was formed when creation gave birth to magic the magic in its raw form eventually turned into a bright light that formed hecate the first magical being as she was formed from the light, the upside-down man was formed from the darkness in the other place. Frightened by his presence, she created a barrier to hide the upside-down man away, not wanting her beautiful realm to be tainted by horror. And just another quick note, uh, Nabu, guys, that's the spirit that inhabits the helm of fate that Dr. Fate wears. Nabu stated that the upside-down man's magic is potent as it draws from the source. In terms of the evil side of magic that is basically what the upside down is he the upside down man is he is the embodiment of all of the dark as as the as the thing said that i read of all the dark and twisted possibilities of magic it's interesting that he's being pulled in here i don't have any theories on where we could go with it i don't know that it matters but it is interesting here because i think we've seen some of these other alien species and or characters before but to have specifically dark side is one thing, but that's a very specific face with spiders all over his body. That is without a doubt the upside down man. If you want to read more about the upside down man, as Corwin mentioned, that happened over in the pages of Justice League Dark. And I believe that was not not New 52 Justice League Dark. We're talking Rebirth Justice League Dark 
when um, Wonder Woman at one point crossed over with Justice League Dark and they had that whole witching hour event. Do they have the backups going for Justice League Dark and in Justice in the, in the pages of Justice League? Yes. Um, right now, that is focused on a lot of Merlin related stuff. I'm reading, if anybody who follows my creative credit Twitter feed knows, I'm reading so many things right now. I'm going to have to reread that stuff just to, to know for sure. I don't believe they've been, I don't think, I, I'm pretty sure we haven't seen the Upside Down Man in those pages. I'd have to reread it to tell you if he was mentioned. Uh, but there, there is a Justice League annual coming up, and it's going to be all dark, all Justice League dark. So that this could tie into that, or it could have something to do with Green Lantern. I don't know. Is he linked to nightmares? I guess is the next question. Ooh. Um, as far so, uh, let me let me scroll down to the powers and abilities. Uh, he's got a lot of powers and abilities, folks. Um, intimidation, occultism, molecular reconstruction, immortality. No. Uh, he's got cosmic awareness and obviously some magic stuff. Reality alteration. Speed, strength, telekinesis. Telekinesis. Um, not that it's listed here. And usually these DC fandom sites are relatively more accurate than like Wikipedia. But right, yeah, so the, that is the upside down, man. I'm actually going to jump back a little bit further to Jessica's first dream where she's in the dark. The Go uniform ahead. that she's wearing there, is that supposed to be like Lissa Drac or is that supposed to be, no, I'm going to say Raven, but now that I see the top of it, is, is that like... Alyssa Drax uniform that she's kind of wearing when she's floating with the candle. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that is, that is probably, yeah, I would say it is the influence of Alyssa Drax. She has these whispers because of of course here it talks about, I only have nightmares and you know, the end of the issue is going to, the blurb is basically saying what nightmares may come. So, um, I'm curious if there's any deeper meaning to these dreams that she's having or these beings that are surrounding her as she holds this candle. That is true. That is a possibility too. Of course, we yeah. also don't, we also don't know when we're going to see her again, as far as regularly bits and pieces. Yes. But I mean, as far as picking up on the story, we don't know if we're going to get a anytime soon, seeing a lot of, a lot of Jessica Cruz. Was Jessica on the cover of the variant for six? Um, no, no, I don't think so. I don't. Hold on. Yeah, is she? Hold on. No. No. I don't know. Uh, no. No. Oh, no. No. That's that's Joe. That, I think it's Joe and uh, Sinestro throwing yeah, blows. Joe and Sinestro oh, going toe to toe. Okay. Uh, seven is still that black and white image of Sinestro that we all assume is going to be the variant. So some more Yellow Lantern stuff, possibly in issue seven. Maybe we'll see her there. Hey, I'm just glad they're getting some exposure with new Korrigar and stuff. It's it's good to see the Yellow Lanterns back. How'd you feel about them in uh, issue one? That was probably the, the biggest chunk of of them that we got to see. I mean, it was granted one page, but S- Sinestro kind of had a soliloquy there. Yes, and I was a bit surprised by the uniform change, which doesn't seem to have carried over. I don't know if those are supposed to be their... their- sure. Dress. Ceremonial dress. Yeah. 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 I think it's more of a, you know, it's an official meeting. It's uh, diplomatic. Even the Green Lantern Corps dresses up differently during all that stuff. So I, I would assume Sinestro being indoctrinated into the same core as the Green uh, as as the Green Lantern probably observes some sort of 
similar uh, protocols. Yeah, protocol or mode of respect or something of that sort. Oh, that's good because I wasn't feeling the yellow and gray. Just didn't didn't feel right. I like when Jessica and Sinestro have their little conversation. And he invites her to his room in the background. You catch the parallax statue and Sinestro statue at his desk behind his desk. Which would make that makes me see because I know it was it was direct. I mean, there was a reference to that actually in the uh, I think in the Teen Lantern issue too that you that there was you could see a parallax statue. So right after she gets out the bed, the next page. Yeah, the statue's back there. Where is Parallax supposed to be now? We don't know. Last with Superman, the last time we saw it in Superman yep. Freedom. Yeah, so we have no we have no idea where our Parallax entity is because that's the last time that we saw him. Oh Lord, and well, just reminded me the other one. Didn't Superman or not Superman? Hal put Parallax in that battery in that Superman story, and then hand off the battery to Sinestro? No. Uh, Parallax was gone by the time he was going to do that. Oh, okay. Hmm. Remember, because they were fighting because because uh, what Hal was it? What Hal thought Parallax was in Superman or vice versa, and yeah, so Parallax is somehow, which was kind of fishy, but he kind of escaped. So we don't. So he was not really in the in the ring. There was the ring, uh, the Sinestro Core ring, I think that was there. He wasn't he wasn't really put into the ring or whatever, or wasn't there anymore. So he he. So as far as I remember, he, that's the last time we've actually seen Parallax. So we have no idea where technically our either Parallax entity, Corbin, ours or the Convergence entity is. Well, we assume the, the Convergence entity is inside that version of Hal, wherever he is. But I mean, we haven't seen either one of that, those characters in forever. I mean, I think it might be safe at this point. I mean, obviously anything's possible. It's comics, blah, blah, blah. But like, I think now it might be safe to assume um, with Infinite Frontier and you know everything that ever happened being canon now and and those universes restored, that convergence parallax is is back in his universe. Maybe I don't know. Hmm. Issue twenty five. Eh. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I had something else. Oh, I, I was hoping that like when. Hal finally shows up, of course, being an ass and being a bit more aggressive than usual. I was hoping with this whole new reality now after the whole everything been put back together, I was hoping to have a little bit of different interactions between the rings, like some effects like we used to have um, back in the Jeff John days for them to really tweak and play with that. But we didn't get any kind of resonance rings or anything, which is would have been a perfect time for them to really play with it. What was the interaction between yellow and green again? I don't remember, actually. And we also have to factor in John Screwed play games with their power battery and fracture. So technically, if that's still if that's still in effect, if this is what what the Sinestro core could do against Green Lantern rings is extremely limited because of the the corruption of the battery that John did. I'm sure they would have rebuilt it by now. Maybe if it's that simple, if it's just a matter of making a new power battery, maybe then maybe that's what. But. Which was a really, which was always a very clever, but yet a, an extremely dick move by John, especially since they were working together at the time. <laughs> clever, but still. <laughs> when you're in charge, you got to make the hard decisions. Yeah, I suppose that's true. If you're really in charge, you do. But I do like Sinestro on this issue. They didn't play him up to be the megalomaniac as he usually, you know, like uh, that last writer did, the Fear Machine and stuff. So. 
this is more the Sinestro that I like. Um, of course, he has a different agenda with Jessica. Time will tell. But him being the little Jiminy Cricket on her shoulder, teaching her things <laughs> with it and how to use her powers, her new powers, I do like that. And there is a consistency between this between this version of Sinestro, even what we got in Green Lantern six, that he's doing a similar, he's, he's doing a similar uh, devil temptation. I'm not so as bad as you think to, to Joe as well. I mean, in that issue too. So there, there, there is a, there is a consistency in the way Sinestro at least is being written. He makes it, he makes it clear what, what he's, you know, his his goal, you know, as far as he's concerned at the end of the day, he's going to be running, you know, the, the planet, you know, he's going to be running the United Planets, but but still, but he he's making it clear that you know he's not true or not. I'm not a I'm not this bad guy that you think that I. <laughs> I I'm curious to see how Saranik and Jessica are going to interact. If at all, we haven't seen her, right? No, yeah. Well, I think she was an issue. Was she an issue one? Yeah. No, Saranik wasn't there with the. Yeah, I don't think we've seen council. her. We haven't seen her since. Oh, Sorenic, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking uh, Lissa Drack. Yeah, we should probably talk a little bit about the nature of fear. So speaking a little bit about the nature of fear in this one, uh, do we see anything here that we think is out of out of canon, out of character, that we're to what we are, like a, a running counter in any way to what we already know about either the core or Sinestro or the power itself? I think that it's maybe the first time they brought empathy into the equation i know sinestra's talked about controlling shaping harnessing fear but i think this is the first time um what does he say imagine peacekeepers with no need to impose their will um imagine a universe primordial power understood by good and evil alike control not through brute strength but through empathy so i think this is the first time they've ever connected this to empathy and certainly the first time we've ever seen Sinestro refer to himself as altruistic. Because <laughs> that's the word that we all comes to mind when we think of Sinestro. Huh. Nah, by, by any means necessary at times, unfortunately, is how he how he rolls. Oh, of course. I mean, I, 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 I like it in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. It makes sense because no none of the emotions that make up the emotional spectrum operate in a vacuum. We talk about how hope is nothing without the will to enact it, which is why, you know, willpower charges up or blue, blue charges up green and and things like that. But all of the emotions can in some way connect to each other in different instances and scenarios. So it's interesting when they play with it like that. I agree. And it's good to have it. It's good to have, it's too easy to just do the cookie cutter stuff and just say, well, we know the way the spectrum was created that you have basically one side of the spectrum that's considered most that's considered negative and one side that's considered positive. So it's good to explore the fact that even obviously we've we've known with like with love being on the far end of that side of the spectrum, there's a lot of negative fallout that can come from the obsessive quality of love. But it's also good to see that even, not just on the positive end of the spectrum, but even on the negative, the so-called negative end of the spectrum, that there are other aspects of using something like fear and arguably maybe even something like greed, that using that power in a, in a way that you don't normally think of. And it's really easy to just think, oh, you have the 
you're given this ring because you can instill great fear. So that means, you know, you, you just like she refers to getting off on, on making people afraid. So that was that was an interesting part of the conversation, too. And Sinestro making whether you believe him again, believe him or not, he makes it he certainly makes makes the case that, well, I, that doesn't really do much for me either. Uh, how do we Corwin, how do, how do you define and or rank Sinestro? Obviously, he's not a a joker type. You know, an agent of chaos who doesn't care who dies and how and so on and so forth. But I wouldn't also go like full Black Adam with him either, although the two seem to be friends. Um, Black Adam is driven more. There's an element of of loss and mourning uh, to him. There's an element of, I guess, immortality to him. You know, sort of, you know, you've been around and I've seen a lot. So. Where on the spectrum do you rank Sinestro? Is he full villain? Is he anti-hero? What's, what's he work like for? I know we've had this conversation a lot in the past, but, you know, just sort of update it for the, any new listeners. I, I would say he definitely falls on the anti-hero pretty close to Black Adam. I mean, when it came to Jeff Johns, he gave that motivation to Sinestro with him losing his wife, him losing his friends, or Avin, him losing Avin him trying to talk to the guardians and then pretty much blocking him out and cutting him out. And of course, everything prophesized happened with the blackest night, which is what he was trying to prevent. So to a large degree, yes, he is trying to instill order. However, he does have that bit of a dictator thing going on with him. So, yeah, I think losing his wife, I think was probably the biggest, the last straw with him. We kind of pushed him over the edge, her and Abin. We haven't mentioned that in a long time, have we? Nope. Makes me wonder if it's uh, if some if it's something they'll maybe circle back to or or maybe not. Well, if Ceranic is around, then they can definitely build on it because I don't think she's. I don't think they've really touched on her mother at all or their relationship besides from the Sinestro Core War. I think when she found out and was kind of appalled that that was her dad. I don't think she's explored what happened with her mother so that is some fertile ground for some you know some stories to grow definitely just a matter of i guess we'll ever even get there i mean there's so much to deal with right now how long before we have the time or space to go down that that avenue another reason we need an anthology series for sure for sure even if it's just to get familiar with all these lanterns that we have or will have because you know, as you guys mentioned, they keep wiping them out. This this book certainly would make me want to read a Jessica Solo series as a Sinestro Corps member. <laughs> I probably would have more a mini. Yeah, at least at least a mini. I probably would have more interest in reading that than I do the the Thorn Monthly at this point. You're not feeling the Freedom Fighter angle from Thorn? Yes, the uh the Freedom Fighters, the Down and Out Lanterns, trying to oh put together whatever they can to make it work to save people. No, not really. I mean, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, Chad hasn't really read the issue yet, but I'm glad this, that at least the, between John and Salak talking about things, they're starting to figure out some of the stuff that, you know, like Dan had picked up on a, a while ago as probably what was going on related to the dark sectors or whatever. The that uh, how things are working differently there. I thought that, I thought that was a that was a plus. And while I didn't really like, I thought I didn't like the way Joe came across in that issue. I thought it was like. It was like contrarian Joe, whatever anybody was says to her, she had to contradict it and just be sassy Joe. That that at least that part of the book to me was still more interesting than the back than the back half. 
but no, I, I don't know. It's it. No, the, I'm not digging who, who the focus is on in that book overall. I just think it's just kind of dragging on a little bit, at least the stuff with, with John, the, the stuff with all the, the missing in action lanterns. I think that's kind of, I mean, we get, we get, again, we get more clues and we get, and we get some clarification about things, people that have popped up in previous issues, whether they were the same person, different people. We've kind of gotten, this issue kind of brings more of that to light, but it's still a whole lot of, we still really don't know what's going on. And it's like halfway through, at the very least, it's like halfway through one year's worth of story. So it would be nice to, to start getting a little headway soon. I know we're supposed to, you know, I know we're supposed to find out who was basically what happened to the power battery, which we assume will mean we find out who blew up quote unquote, since it really technically wasn't blown up supposedly, but it would be nice to move this a little further along because no matter how you slice it, 12 issues without having green lanterns with working rings, except for Joe. And if Hal, I mean, if Hal does actually show up there soon that other than that, it's kind of getting old. I also, well, going back to the annual here, I want to see how they handle Jessica's constructs because for now she's just creating a bunch of scary monsters and stuff, just random things that go bump in the night kind of things. I'm wondering if we're really going to tap into her psyche and maybe even at one point her create constructs of those, you know, the killers that she was running from before, you know, her, her, uh, what's the proper term? Um, what's the thing she suffers from? The um, the, oh, the, te- the technical name for it? Yeah, the I don't want to call it a disability, but the the anxiety. The is it anxiety that she suffers from? Yeah, I mean, are we? I'm curious to see how her powers will develop, or if there's anything that's going to spring from that with her fears. Agoraphobia. Yes, I think it was yeah. agoraphobia. Because I don't think we've really, well, we haven't really seen her much anyway this series, but I'm curious if they're really going to play up on that. Because in the past, of course, she, she always said it's something that doesn't go away. It's just something she has to con- try to control every day. So let's see if they have plans on how they're going to incorporate that in, with this yellow ring. I do miss her ring talking to her, though, you know, the little special relationship that they had. It's funny that you said that because I was, I was wondering if... I was wondering if they they may do a variation on that to see because of the relationship she had with her ring that was overdue but unique as far as us seeing it portrayed that way in a Green Lantern title that because she's used to that with her ring if she if she's going to try to have a relationship like that with the Sinestro Court ring maybe the combination of of her willpower along with the her ability to tap into the fear might be able to uh, maybe f- force the force that ring to do something maybe it's not normally comfortable doing. I mean, she sort of in a way already did. I mean, because she's sitting there floating in space and, you know, knows something's happening. And then she kind of looks at a ring and says, okay, show me now, obviously like she, you know, anybody can command their ring to do what their ring is intended to do, but she sort of a, dressing it directly like hey i can feel you have something you want to show me show me because it's not like anybody else talks to their ring when they're like hey make a construct sure you know so why would she have to talk to it to 
to tell it to do one of its native functions. That's probably just what she's used to, the kind of interface she's used to having with it. And if it wasn't for the fact that we knew that Sinestro popped up so early on that mission, popping, you know, popping through the ring, if you hadn't seen Sinestro's face to the end, you could have you could have actually assumed she was talking to the ring <laughs> and the ring talking back to her. That's true. Do we think so? First of all, I think this does a good job of, of an annual. It's relatively yes. one shot. Um, I like that. Um, it's not crucial to the story we're currently reading in the currently running Green Lantern series, but helpful to have if you want to include it in like a trade or a bind or whatever it is you want to do. Um, but do we think this is a story of of convenience or necessity? Is it is it the only thing that they could tell in line with what they're currently telling that they could make a whole story out of? Or is the Yellow Lantern and more specifically Jessica being a Yellow Lantern going to play a bigger role in everything than we maybe think? I'm hoping it's the second thing. I'm hoping that they're playing her up and going to do something significant with her. I would like to think that's what's going on, too, because they could. I mean, apparently it, Thornton probably wouldn't want them to have done this, but they obviously could have done it. The annual could have been focused on something going on with Hal during all this. So the fact that they they picked Jessica on purpose and yeah, I'm hoping it's going to mean something. I'm hoping that it's even arguably implied in this issue that while she you can say the right things about, oh, this is only temporary. This isn't going to, you know, don't, don't, I'm not staying for long. Don't get used to having me around and all that stuff that, that the reality is that when everything's up and running and being functional again, maybe I think it's certainly being implied that Jessica may not be so fast to, uh, you know, to switch back. It's good to see just like in the last run where we had some Sinestro Corps members actually decide to stay with the Green Lanterns. It's good to see it go the other way a little bit as well, even if it's just, them getting familiar with the other side of it. Back to Hal. Is he actually in the Justice League book? Do we see what he's up to in Justice League? Since I'm not even reading that, so I'm just curious. Who? Hal. Is Hal in the Justice League series? No. In, in, no. in the main Justice League title? No, he's not. No. So yeah, we really don't know what he's up to, but I, right now I think this is the best story to tell in an annual because there's so many things with the main run that we don't have the answers to yet that they're building up to. That anything they put in here would just feel frivolous if it was anything to do with, you know, what, well, I guess they can play with like what Guy's doing at this moment in time compared to everything else that's going on for characters that we haven't seen. But just because we had Jessica had her little cameo in the last issue, issue five of Green Lantern, it was good for them to rewind a little bit and then show us how she got there on the planet. So I think the annual really worked for that more than playing up Hal or anybody else. Yeah, I think the only other story you could tell is maybe what's happening to Kyle. That that could have been something interesting. We haven't seen him in the future state in the future state stuff, have we? No. It was just We know um, he's in we know he's in the Vegas system. Right. It's just Guy and um, John, but only two we really saw in yeah. future state. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see where we're going, and uh, I guess I'll be reading number six right after we get done recording before go to, before we go to bed tonight. But um, yeah, you know, speaking with you and Dan has helped me. You know, uh, despite my misgivings about the misgivings I do have about the series, I like I like a lot of what's happening. It's just the stuff that hits me wrong hits me wrong in such a way it gives me pause. You know, but I do like that we're 
returning to a, a sense of familiarity because even if we're not necessarily aware of or, conf- or even if we're confused by the decisions that Thorne is making, he's making them in a context that we can understand and at least debate the merits of because unlike with Grant Morrison, you're like, what did he, what is he even saying? <laughs> what is he doing here? <laughs> what does it mean? And I'm hoping that all of this after, you know, Thorne tells what he's trying to tell, I can go back to the beginning and, and read it and kind of see it hindsight 2020 and appreciate it and in its full scope kind of like that green lantern core series that um what's his name mark we interviewed him ben jensen yes ben jensen's core run because i i do remember actively disliking you know larger sections of that for one reason or another um but you know in speaking with him directly we got to you know learn what he was doing why he was doing it and kind of put a larger context to his whole run that made me appreciate it more overall. So I hope, I'm hoping that the same thing happens with, with green lantern, um, you know, in some of Dan's videos over on mosaic comics, I think part of what, I mean, if Dan's right, part of what Thorne is doing is actively trying to, um, you know, uh, steer our expectations one way only to hard left turn, hard right turn, and he's doing some of this on purpose. So, uh, you know, if we can appreciate that in its larger context, because I mean, no, no writer to a series wants to be, wants to basically write themselves out of a job, right? Your whole, your whole job in writing a series isn't to alienate the audience audience and drive down sales. Um, that's not what anybody wants. So, uh, I'd, I'd be, I'm definitely, I'm, you know, he still has me interested. He still has me curious. Um, uh, still not a fan of Tom Rainey, but you know, it is what it is. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But I mean, I really, this is probably the first issue of this Green Lantern run that I've, uh, you know, thoroughly, as thoroughly enjoyed as I have. I did really like issue, the first issue of the series, but um, in terms of a similar level of enjoyment, I definitely say the annual is a, is a, is a good highlight for me so far, especially with that variant cover. I'm, I'm absolutely getting the variant cover. I'm tempted to get both, but I, I'm definitely going to get the variant. So before we close out and everything, if I may be so bold, uh, Licit Tracks makes a comment here that Sinestro goals or even Jessica goals mean little to her. Um, she says her loyalties are pure. I know she was always a fan of the book of Parallax. So do you guys think it's a parallax is the the ultimate being that she's or the ultimate purity that she's following is it fear what what do you guys take from that i think it's fear personally i don't i mean we know that we know that parallax is concentrated fear made manifest and sentient but but is parallax i mean does parallax equal fear i don't I don't think parallax, like if you destroy parallax, do you destroy the emotion of fear? I don't think it's that. So I think there's something else. And, and it also makes me wonder in you asking that, is that why we see the upside down man? Ooh, good point. Good point. Cause she, you know, she's always been linked to the book of parallax. Or she's the keeper she, of the book of parallax. Parallax. But of course, in the last run too, we've shown her and Sinestro being a lot closer than their kind of playing it up here too so yeah yeah good that's a good good catch there yeah it's a fine line it's because she's so she's been so historically loyal to sinestro but it is but it's worth noting that yes that technically she's it's not 
it's not like she's keeping the book of New Corridor. It's not like she's keeping the book of Sinestro. She is the keeper of the book of Parallax. So it's possible that maybe even as loyal as she is to Sinestro at the end of the day, she may view Sinestro as more as a means to an end for a certain period of time, kind of like Parallax is eternal while Sinestro is not. So it's, it's, it's hard it's because it's, it is, in, it is interesting that again, it's the book of Parallax and everything else, but she has been so in, inherently loyal to Sinestro on the surface. I mean, she's kind of betrayed Sinestro too, though, but, but Sinestro has also expected it. It's it's a fine it's a fine line. So I would, but if you had to push, make pick one or the other, she probably is more loyal to the concept of fear itself or parallax more than she is than she is Sinestro. So I think also this this gives me a good opportunity to talk about it. I wasn't going to go down the tangent, but you brought it up. Um, uh oh. Uh, I've I've for a while thought that we should somehow tie. Uh, Shadow Lass to Lysadrak, uh, the Legionnaire Shadow Lass, because they are both from the Tolokian race. Uh, now, obviously, they're separated by several thousands of years. Um, but much like, uh, you know, there's um, Kalu, the race of Brainiacs people, have they're from different Different planets have different names because Kaluans have settled multiple planets. So has the the Tolokians, I believe. Uh, so they're not from the same planet, but uh, you know it's a different numeral for for their for their race. But it's interesting because Shadow Lass's power, for those of you who don't know, is a lot like um, Obsidian's in some ways. If you were going to compare it to somebody else who already exists in the DC universe, um, I went ahead and pulled up the comic vine interest uh, a link on her because it gives a little more detail. So again, so as I don't go down uh, a long rambling tangent trying to explain her powers, I can just read it to you guys. Uh, Shadow Lass is able to tap into an unknown and ancient connection to the source of darkness in the universe. She received the gift whenever she visited the ancient spirits of her ancestral caves. The intense darkness that she creates can engulf large areas of space almost instantly, causing an absolute absence of light, which very few can penetrate with their vision. She's also able to control the shape of her darkness from a large amorphous cloud to a tight beam of concentrated shadows. And those trapped within her darkness become disoriented and deprived of their senses, driving many enemies to the point of experiencing rampant fear and helplessness. Shadow Lass is completely immune to the effects of the darkness she generates and is able to see perfectly through it. Now, have we seen Lysa do something similar? No. Does that mean she doesn't have that ability? No, because don't forget, wasn't uh, Lysa part of uh, of the initiation for a lot of Sinestro Corps members putting them in those pods? Yes. Where did that come from? Where did that darkness within those pods come from? Making them spark their rings. But yeah, yes. good point. And th- through the description I read earlier in the episode about the Upside Down Man, the beginning of this description of Shadow Lass's power, able to tap into an unknown and ancient connection to the source of darkness in the universe. There you go. So I'm wondering if uh, if uh, that little blurb about who she really serves, the appearance of the Upside Down Man here, 
and you know that combined with just my own personal desire to connect her to one of my top three favorite legionnaires of all time uh if that doesn't mean something more connections and even jessica's change into this costume when she's in the darkness in her nightmare yep yep it would all make sense dan if you're listening i sense your next episode (laughs) (laughs) all right I like, too, that they didn't forget that Lysa has the uh, Book of Parallax like engraved on her skin. Yeah, I never knew. Was that supposed to be the entirety of the Book of Parallax or like yes. select packages or just representative of the Book of Parallax? I think it's supposed to be all of it. Okay. Was, wasn't, yeah, cause wasn't, she have, wasn't it like where she was having memory issues or something? I uh, thought she was – there was something about – I thought there was something along the fact that she was having – that her ability to, re, to retain things long-term, something was – was damaged in her and that's why she ended start and that's why she was engraving all these stories on her body but you would think at some point you could real quick you're going to run out of room unless you're using a size 0.5 font (laughs) yeah i mean i guess we'll see jeff johns's stuff was i don't know almost a little less than 10 years ago right because the new 52 started in 2011 jeff left with issue 20 so roughly nine ten years ago but John's left in John's left in 2013. He, he left the year we took over. He just left before we took over. Oh, yeah. Well, whatever. What is time? Uh, all right. Anything else about this? Uh, apparently area? nothing. When it, when, 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 <laughs> Obviously uh, a construct. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> anything else about this annual before we go into anything else? I really enjoyed it. For sure. I, I, I give it a nine out of the 10. I think artistically there was more I could have desired from this, but uh, I, I, I enjoyed what it had to say for sure. And the way in which it said it. Indeed. All right. A couple things I wanted to bring up. The first and foremost being DC Fandome is on its way again. And are we being set up to uh, not be given anything uh, other more than a, uh, origami ring folding session uh on this one we were promised lots we've talked about that rather extensively i think at the most in our case for green lantern episode a while back but uh, it seems like we're being given more and more because as mark and i discussed last episode the appearance of that john stewart image uh in the dc fandom art uh promoting the stuff coming up also today I was scrolling through Instagram uh, stories in particular and came across the DC stories. And their one story was a link to the DC online shop. Yep. And it said bright days are ahead. And it had that same image of Jon Stewart on a hoodie when a link to the shop to purchase said hoodie, as well as other iterations of it on t-shirts, other types of hoodies. Then of course there's just the green lantern title logo uh, instead of just the full image, things like that. So regardless of your feelings on that merch, which I personally think a company like DC can do better than what looks like an iron on, on a mass produced piece of clothing. Um, they are taking time to advertise green lantern on their other social media so much so that they're creating new merch to be purchased. If only it's as simple as a new image and saying, we want this image produced on merchandise. That's not necessarily a hard step for a company to take, but that is interesting because before we were just given sort of teaser things here and there here, they're making like what seems like a marketing push, which I think is interesting. 
I don't know what we think that says beyond anything I just mentioned, but I do think that is very interesting to me. Gives you hope that they're going to, there might be something, whether, whether it's something we care about or not, but it certainly gives you logical, which is kind of a contradiction on some level, logical hope that there's going to be something Green Lantern related that's going to come from this. For sure. I also wanted to mention that today as well, there was a little uh, 10 second or 15 second video square video on their, on their Twitter that says that, you know, was showing this week's books. The background of that was a green lantern towel and that they were slapping down the issues on top of. And it said, you don't need a power ring to explore the universe on new DC day. So it's one thing to have, the annual will be a big thing coming out that they're showing you and trying to get you to buy, but to have, to make Green Lantern the background of that also very interesting. The other thing I was going to mention is um, Green Lantern is finding a second life on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we how we feel about all that, uh, but it doesn't seem like Ryan Reynolds has opened his fat mouth over on Twitter yet. So I think we're might be in the clear on that one. Knock on wood. Oh, it's I'm coming. My, I'm going to let my seven-year-old watch it, and I'll report back to what he thinks about it. <laughs> I'll expect a voicemail. <laughs> from you or from him? <laughs> Both. <laughs> uh, but I did want to just mention those things really quick. Did we have anything else we wanted to mention? Oh, we, should thank, we, we should thank Corwin for those pops. We've been waiting this all this yeah, time to we, thank oh, him yeah. for it. <laughs> we have, we have, we have. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Um, how did you get... Uh, how did you get the the Mark Lantern created? I Mark, did you ever have an Andrew Char part created of yourself? Or no, that... they just they I think they just took a. I'm assuming you just used some pictures from the Facebook page. Yeah, and then I kind of just put together my own little design, my spin on the design. Nice. It was it was hard figuring out which lanterns to pick for you though. That was kind of like uh, I had to get Jim in on that one to make sure I picked the right two colors. You did. Well, blue you picked... blue was obvious. Yeah, it was the second one. Is like a green, white. I just I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, you 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 definitely picked the right two. Nice. I'm glad you guys liked it. It was kind of something that was in the pipe work for a while, but man, Viet is just back. He 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 does hundreds and hundreds of those customs. So, but once I yeah. saw the boxes, I was like, oh, that was it. Once I saw he started doing <laughs> the boxes, I'm like, yeah, I know you guys would dig that. Yeah, yeah for sure. I. I uh, I unboxed one of my other pops that I was going to get rid of, like a, an older one. Um, and I found a, an insert that would fit that old style of pop so I could have it actually sitting in a plastic insert inside the box. <laughs> um, so I did all that. And Viet should know his measurements for the boxes are slightly bigger than a regular pop size because... I had to cram mine into a uh, plastic pop protector. It would not fit without not not a bend per se, but sort of like a a curve in the side of the box a little bit. Okay, I'll I'll put the word out. Um, but yeah, there. I mean, it, you can't really tell, especially when it's on the shelf. So it works fine for me. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it's fantastic, man. I really appreciate you doing that. And speaking of Viet uh, and, and your your shows, man, you want to tell people how they can find you out there? Uh, they can find us on EarthsMightiestPodcast.com. We have uh, I have four podcasts on there. There's Earth's Mightiest Podcast, where we talk about the Avengers stuff. There's EMX, where we talk about the X-Men books. And of course, um, I think all of us on that show are born X-Men fans. I think that's the longest running uh, books we've read. So there's a lot of passion in that one. Uh, there's Merc with a Podcast, which is my, my friend Scott and I talking about Deadpool, which has been 
severely lacking this year. Uh, his main series stopped back in like February. So we've been doing other things to keep ourselves occupied. And then there's EMBS, which is literally us just kicking back for an hour, just talking about all kind of pop culture stuff, video games, movies, TV, mostly falls into TV and movies. Um, but it's just us shooting the breeze. So, um, yeah, you'll be guys, you guys will be getting invites soon to come at least join us for a little bit on that. Just to talk about anything else. Nice. Oh yeah. 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 That'll, that'll help because we know that I, at least me personally, I don't bring much, much to an X-Men conversation. You guys need to read that Hickman stuff. It's fantastic. Uh... No. <laughs> I, I know you had your issues with Excalibur. Yeah. Your favorite characters, but, uh, I heard Claremont's coming to write a Gambit series. I hear that. Uh, there's also, I downloaded the issues. I haven't read them yet, but what's her, I don't even, I can't remember the name of the series because again, it's sitting on my digital to read pile. The girl that looks like Gambit that's appearing in that one team book. Uh, Children of the Atom. Yes. 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 You might want to pass on that. Yeah. I have curiosity, obviously, because of the the character that looks like Gambit. But, you know, we'll 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 see if that develops in anything. I've we it started out interesting, but I think that book skewers to a lower, younger demographic than us. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's, I, I think I think it's for me, it's kind of like it, it, that book is probably going to have the same level of interest to me as the Titans Academy stuff at DC because of the character of Stitch that's showing up over there that, of course, every Ragman fan reached out to me about and was like, is this is this connected to Ragman somehow? <laughs> um, so same sort. I think it's the same sort of a concept, but we'll see regardless. But, yeah, I think we'd love to come on and, and hang out at any point, man. Anytime you want. No, we'd love to have you. I will get the word out when. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, speaking of reaching out to people, Mark, how do they reach out to us? Lanterncast.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hashtag geocast. Use that to track us down. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So whichever platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, Text or voicemail us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right. Corwin, thanks so much for coming on. Guys, go check out his stuff, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. All right. Take care. And Corwin, Kong did have a chance if it was written better. (laughs) (laughs) I've been waiting on – I've been sitting on that voicemail for a couple couple of weeks. We don't have much time to add to it now, (laughs) but (laughs) – it's Uh, just like batman it's just like well batman wouldn't have had a chance against superman except it was written that way right so they could have written it you know they could have written it so conquer at least could have done better as much as i can enjoy parts of that movie they really didn't he didn't give him his due justice I, i i won't lie i am severely biased i've seen probably every godzilla between the 60s and the 80s so don't go godzilla i'm super biased I get it. I'm I'm the only one that's Team Kong in this group. But I, again, I, I it's not that I I did expect Godzilla to win. It's just the fact that they made Godzilla more agile. He was he was like so lumbering in the first two movies, and now in the one movie when he's facing somebody who should be inherently like eight times as more agile than him, then Godzilla all of a sudden moves fast. <laughs> it's like come on. Hey, look, I, I, I'm sore. He lost in the first movie still, so it's okay. <laughs>
Well, that's part of that's part of my issue. He gets, he, I mean, the Mudos beat the crap out of him, and then Khan, and but but Khan can't at least solidly beat him at least in one round, solid, really beat him. But nonetheless, uh, but I just I I had to, I had to get that one in at one point because I didn't want you to think I was ignoring the other voicemail. It was just we might it, it just was so short. It's like we might as well wait till Corwin's on, and I guess that's it. <laughs> I had to poke the bear on that one. I understand that. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> so, good night, everybody. <laughs> good, good night.